This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora. Join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575am or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Kia ora and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leon Fay. Unfortunately, this week it is just Leo hosting the show today, so Fay couldn't make it today and there'll be another show. We just finished, I just finished pre- a recording a pre-record for the summer holidays. Um, Faye won't feature on that either, so there'll be a weird show in the middle there where Faye won't be in it, but Faye's unwell today, getting a, got their COVID vaccine yesterday and um, is feeling really under the weather, really wanted to be here, and Faye's really disappointed that they couldn't be here, considering who the guest on today is. Um, but... Today I'm going to do the format of the show slightly differently. We're going to play, we'll play some songs, but we'll change it around a bit. But today we have got Anita Wiglet on the show today, who was unofficially Miss Congeniality on RuPaul's Drag Race. wasn't crowned on the show, but I'll ask Anita about that. Uh, I'll ask Anita about that later. Um, so. Um, but also is well known through the um, drag community here in New Zealand, local Auckland drag queen. Um, Yeah, but welcome to the show, Keita. How have you been? Hello, thank you so much for having me. I've been uh, so good. We are. I'm living in Auckland, mm. and we are now out of lockdown. We're in. We're in red light at the moment. Soon yeah. to be orange. Very exciting. So um, nothing to complain about. That's why I've got orange hair today, celebrating the fact. That- orange perfect well we're twinning on that fact today I'm permanently <laughs> orange. <laughs> um, so good on you yeah thank you um so for those who don't know who you are anita who are you oh well i'm a very strange lady of the night so i am a drag performer i've been doing drag for 10 years now which is crazy mm. uh full-time for the last two to three years. Uh, And so basically my job is I'm a drag queen comedian. So I operate out of some theatres in Auckland primarily. And I do sort of solo comedy show called Life of a Funny Girl, which I tour around to to various places. And I was on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. I host TV shows uh, like House of Drag and um, I guess a a television personality. So I Mm. do things like having people paying attention um, uh, or give us a clue, those sorts of fun like sort of comedy TV shows. Perfect. Um, how did you get into drag? What got you into uh, it? Yeah, well, when you said, how did you get into drag? It was like squeezing my body into a spandex. <laughs> but um, I, so I, 10 years ago, I was studying at uh, the University of Auckland. Yes, that's right. Mm. I, I am relatively educated. And <laughs> I had a job at the time, as every good homosexual does. I worked at the theatre, so I ushered and I worked on the bar. And the, the first professional musical that I ushered on was none other than Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh. Uh, or Desert. Seminal. Like, so, uh, <laughs> yes. And I decided to dress in drag for my 21st birthday and do my first drag shows, which definitely dates me now. Uh, and I had so much fun. I contacted the local gay bar family and said, do you need more drag queens? And they said, yes. And I just kept going and going and going. And now, 10 years later, I get to do it for a living. Yeah. From your experience of being a drag queen, 
if there's anyone out there listening who is interested in a career in drag themselves, what would you recommend or not recommend but <laughs> in, in terms of getting started? For sure. Well, drag is a very expensive pastime. And I think we all start drag as a hobby and then it sort of eventuates into you start earning some money doing a show and then you think, oh, actually, I've got five shows this week and oh, I'm fucking put it in with the day job. So I, I would recommend doing a day job and drag to start off with and then and then sort of once you've got the um all the gigs are coming in and you can really sort of forecast that you've got enough money to live then you can make the jump um but early in your career i recommend investing in uh sort of in costuming sort of we all make the mistake when we start drag of we go to glasses and supre and we get little things here and then you soon sort of realize that drag costumes are are sort of flamboyant and sequins and Mm. and things that you day-to-day so i recommend spending your money on good quality things uh, first of all and then uh, that's in drag costumes and wigs but and when it comes to things like jewelry and makeup you just try some different fans because my makeup for example i use expensive foundation but then i use all the cheap stuff on top because you don't really need to have sort of yeah. really proper yeah um i lost my train of thought there um <laughs> You're distracted oh, yeah. by my beauty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as you mentioned before, um, you, and I mentioned before, you were on RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under and the inaugural season of it. Um, could you tell us a bit about your experience within the parameters you can? What was it like? What did you take away from it? And just what's the overall vibe that you and admiration or not admiration, because that's valid too, that you've had coming out of it? For sure. So, well, if you don't know, well, I, I don't know if anybody doesn't know what RuPaul's Drag Race is now, but RuPaul's Drag Race is a reality TV show where they have, um, I think it's 10 or 12 drag queens uh, on the cast and they, they search and find the best one and then they send her home after a questionable costume challenge. Uh, so it, it's really a, a really fun competition. And they put drag queens against each other, and each week will be a different challenge, whether it's acting, costume making, mm. makeup, or comedy. Um, so I was in that. I had such a good time, and I got to meet RuPaul and Michelle Visage and Reese Nicholson, the main judges. And it was just the most amazing experience. You see, a lot of people go into Drag Race and they think, oh, uh, I, I went in there, I, I wasn't really myself, I didn't represent myself, and I, I'm disappointed, and now I've gone home. And, uh, and for me, like, I, I got. Through, through, so I made it halfway through the competition mm. and, and before I was eliminated. You and did really just, well too. You won the seminal oh, challenge snatch game. Like, you know. You had to get seminal. Thank you. <laughs> it is one of the most talked about challenges and you won that. And I don't think, I, I don't think you should have gone, but, you know, oh, Ru- it was RuPaul's you. choice, RuPaul's show, but, you know, you did amazingly. But yeah. Thank you so much. And, and it was one of those things that I was so proud of how I came across and uh, it was, I just was had such a fun time. I have zero regrets and that, therefore it was um, just part of the reality, reality TV mix really and uh, mm. going home did and it's part of the fun of being on, on a reality TV show and the response from fans has been amazing after it. So I feel like I've been, even though I sort of didn't do well in a TV sense uh, in terms of placement, I did very well in terms of uh, uh, a really sort of stepped me forwards on my career and and you're right i won snatch the comedy challenge and what more asked for apart from a crown (laughs) yeah um also for 
people who just watched the show and didn't follow you or any other of the queens on social media or read news articles post the show, they wouldn't have known that you were crowned by your fellow castmates as Miss Congeniality. And um, for people who don't know or do know, on the main flagship show, on the American show, they crown every season finale the winner Miss Congeniality, which is kind of a pageanty term that comes out of the uh, pageant scene about awarding the the kindest queen, essentially. And... Um, you, and it's always voted for... On the early seasons, it was voted by the fans, but in the most recent seasons, it's been voted by the fellow castmates. But on the international spin-offs, like the UK and Down Under, they don't televise that. They do it kind of, The queens do it on their own. And um, How did it feel being um, admired by your fellow castmates in that way and getting that award? Oh, you know, it was so lovely. So, Miss Congeniality, so Kiva, my best friend and fellow Kiwi, she won mm. the competition. And we do a lot of comedy stuff together. And so, it was really nice me winning something as well. So, it's not just like, you know, the winner yeah. of RuPaul's Drag Race. Peter Wiggle, the loser of RuPaul's Drag Race. I've got something to say, mm. uh, like a title. Uh, yeah. But time uh it was yeah i mean in, in america they get a five thousand dollar cash prize yeah. and i got nothing <laughs> do you think they should televise that on future international seasons well yes and actually interestingly in canada canada's drag race season two they've just started doing that which mm. is the first non-american one that's doing it but at the yeah. same time just an honor to have sort of my my <laughs> friends on the say that about me and mm. um i I voted for Maxi, and I found out Kiva voted for Maxi too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so honoured, and it was just uh, such an amazing experience. Yeah, I would say Maxi was an honourable runner-up to Miss Congeniality next year. So uh, the yeah. only problem with me, not very good at running, so that's my managed to be there. Oh, yeah. So how I, I want to talk more about you as a drag queen specifically in the wider world and how would you say that how does drag itself as a concept challenge the patriarchal world we live in oh gosh that's a very intense Drag <laughs> <laughs> can really be different things so um so hugo girl for example in wellington mm. whenever he show he says like f beep i don't know how racy this this recording is so i'm not going to swear he says <laughs> f the Patriarchy. Um, yeah. I don't even know. Dumb. I don't even know what patriarchy means. But I, for me, I do drag. Uh, some people find drag quite confronting because mm. I mean it's very loud. It's very in your face, and often our humour sort of very sexualized and uh, just part of the parcel. But for me, I, I purely do drag. Uh, well, it's my job. It's how I make my living. But I do it so that. Uh, to make people smile and, and to bring people into a place where uh, sort of taking them on a ride with you. At, at Kaluzzi, mm. the drag queen theater that I co-own, Makita in Auckland, we often have people in when they say, I, for, for the last four hours while I've been here, I completely forgot I'm going for a divorce. I forgot I had cancer and I forgot about the kids. And um, and that's my, that's my ultimate compliment when I can sort of distract mm. people and take them. That's why I do drag, just to give people absolute joy and let them forget about the bad things going on. Yeah. Well, drag is definitely, it is really escapist in its, and it it embraces diversity in a way that you don't see on main, in, in the mainstream quite so much. And, um, well, 
It is. It is. It's really heartening to see it becoming mainstream through the successes that RuPaul has brought to it. And, and in essence, um, you and Kita hosting House of Drag have brought that into New Zealand mainstream TV as well. But it has got its roots outside of TV, and it's really nice to see um, pioneers in that, like yourself and Kita and RuPaul, who are putting it out there, and and all of your other castmates on all the other seasons of Drag Race, highlighting it and making it feel more and just giving people joy in their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I've never compared to RuPaul before. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like RuPaul for hearts and I'm definitely the loser of the competition. <laughs> yeah. But you won, you won quite a few things. I won the hearts of of millions. Yeah, maybe not <laughs> the queens, but that's that's marginal. Uh, let, really ho- hopefully, the queen had a sense of humour. I hope so. It was scandalous. Be the BBC did censor you when they aired Down Under on um, in the UK. Yeah. So I thought that was really funny. But you know, I want to know. I want to see the queen's reaction. I, I think it was the princess. <laughs> I made yeah. apparently a very they're too topical and he's a bit sensitive at the moment. Yeah. So. I thought I thought the very the one that made me laugh out loud the most was the one about advice the don't piss me off and wear a seatbelt line. That was <laughs> amazing. It really cracked me up. Um, how do you what aspects of drag make it a superpower in a sen- in in a in a sense? Ooh, what makes, as in sort of what makes a drag queen a superhero? Drag queen, drag as a whole. How how do you use your superpower of drag and what makes it that? Yeah, for sure. So um, drag as a superpower for me is um, connecting with people and sort of being able to to raise people up and Mm. and sort of, uh, which sounds ironic because most of my humour is putting people down, but um, giving people that sort of joy and, and, and fun and escapism. And I think that the, the way that you do that, for me, and the key to being a drag performer is having uh, a personality. So when, when I started drag 10 years ago, this was before uh, Drag Race and before YouTube was, well, actually YouTube was a thing, but before sort of makeup tutorials and that sort of stuff. So we we look terrible. <laughs> There's pictures of me and I look like a sad clown, which not much has changed. But... Um, uh, because we looked so sort of bad, we had to develop these really strong personalities to uh, to kind of entertain people. And, mm. and nowadays, and nowadays, obviously, drag performers still have personalities, but people, they watch YouTube, they watch Drag Race, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to have my first time out as a drag performer. And they look amazing. But what they, they've never had to sort of fight for a person. They've never had to sort of fight on that stage to get a spot because they looked rough. So personality sometimes lacks a little bit in the in the modern sense and about who they are and what they present and what their character is. So I think that the superpower of drag is personality. Ah, well, it, you, you, the most entertaining queens have a personality and a very lively personality. So when that comes through, it's really enigmatic and it spreads the joy for sure i always say if in doubt have five red bull that'll give you a personality (laughs) (laughs) definitely um how does anita differ from your out of drag self yeah so um 
And so during the day, I, I go by the name Nick, which was the name my, my parents gave me, or yeah. Nicholas if I'm... Um, so <laughs> I it's funny. So in, uh, I'm a very feminine man. Uh, I've always been very feminine and loved sort of the, the what what people would say should be feminine things, even though that's mm. not true. But like gardening and music, like classical music and candles. <laughs> um, and so so drag is sort of my opportunity to to be that to really be that sort of feminine side of me. I'm super happy identifying as a male during the day, but, but sort of when I'm in drag, it gives me this kind of, allows me to really tap into my feminine energy. And, mm. and drag allows me to be more over the top uh, and really sort of say those jokes, which are like a little bit too far if you're in a friend setting, but when you're in drag, you can get away with anything. So it's just sort of a hyper extension of myself, really. Very similar, but, mm. but more, more uh, over the top. Yeah. Um. How has COVID-19 changed how you deliver your drag? Has it changed mm-hmm. it? Like whether we're in locked, like we, I, I understand in lockdown you can't perform, but post it with some of the restrictions as it opens up, opened up the first time last year and is opening up again this year. Um, how has it changed your drag as a whole? Yeah, well, COVID's been very interesting, and thank goodness I've received two pricks so I can go out and do things. Usually I receive more, but oh, well, <laughs> in, in, that's a limit. I'm looking for a third, though. Um, so it's been very interesting. In the, so now we have to wear face masks when we do events, but we wear these plastic face shields, which is so unfortunate because if you sneeze, it really goes everywhere. It doesn't happen before. Yeah, but, um, at least if you sneeze in a cotton one or a reusable one you don't see the stuff that goes everywhere but those glass well, shields would not hide it <laughs> it's so the cotton one you have to, you have to brush your teeth or like flush your teeth because no one can see but now i have to um so but interestingly the, the the biggest change was actually during lockdown and thanks mm-hmm. to drag Race, i was able to kind of almost moved my career online so we did sort of online digital drag shows in my living room mm-hmm. Kita and i which really well attended actually and, and we do things like um cameo messages and memos so personalized messages to people and that was actually a really good sort of money earner to keep me going during lockdown uh obviously with the government uh, wage subsidy and payments and stuff but um so uh it's given me the opportunity to to realistically make a living from my house with the this sort yeah. of a, a little drop and uh, and a ring light so it's been fascinating to see how drag is from a, a stage performance mm. and to, to a at home performance um, but it's definitely been a journey and a journey that i'm looking forward to ending soon so omicron or whatever you call it, you can just you can just stay away from new zealand please yeah definitely it sounds like a super villain name i've got to be honest I like a transformer yeah transform to omicron or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> but you know um, as I was, I, I was chatting with you about this before, before we went on to air, but for those who don't know, um, what House of Drag is, Keita mentioned it earlier in the show, um, House of Drag is a reality TV show hosted by Keita and Anita, um, they, it's kind of like Drag Race meets Big Brother in a sense, it's got its own niche, but it is, that's, if I was to describe it for, to someone who hasn't seen it, it's kind of like that. But, and it, oh, I think it really revolutionised um, how New Zealanders saw New Zealand drag who 
especially ones who don't live in either Auckland or Wellington, because we don't get surrounded by it as much. And it was really nice to finally be able to have access to New Zealand drag. And it was long before you guys were on um, Drag Race Down Under. and But we only had really access to, um, by that point, the American drag scene through our living rooms at home and we had to really look for it in New Zealand or go travel to go look for it in New Zealand and it was really nice to just be at home and find our local drag queens here in New Zealand and you and Keita brought that to us but I've been really waiting the last couple of years because the last season of it aired oh would have been just before COVID in early 2020 ish and Mm -hmm. Well, I've been waiting, and I. Do you think there's going to be a season three? I really hope so. So we did uh, season one and season two through uh, TVNZ here in New yeah. Zealand, and TVNZ have now moved on to Drag Race Down Under, uh, mm. which is fair enough. I can totally understand, but we, we're hoping that um, we did some work with Canada without TV, and we're mm. hoping that they're going season three but it's all very up and down sometimes it's like oh it's gonna happen so, and most of the time it's like not happening so we, we did that one through Warner Brothers who do Drag Race Down Under 2 yeah. so they're kind of now with Drag Race Down Under they're doing this sort of annual I imagine uh, drag reality TV show but I hope we get to do it again it was so New Zealand and so ridiculous and stupid and we were drunk all the time and it was just so enjoyable so mm. who knows what Watch this space. If it's not Drag Race or uh, or whatever it's called, House of Drag, I'm sure there'll be. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you ever think that you would ever go back to Drag Race for a, whether the American All Star seasons opens up to international season international contestants or they open up an international. Um, all-star seasons season would you go back to drag race yes 100 million percent i'd love to go back i feel like um even though i was really true to myself and really proud of what i achieved on the drag race down under realistically i was only on there for four episodes and mm. the audience was and it was a, a short season it was a short season, yeah and, yeah. and the audience smaller for down under than it would have been for sort of a an international all-stars or an american mm. So I'd love to go back and, and, and do it again. Yeah. What do you, what, what did you think that you got to share every part of your drag self when you were on drag race the first time? Do you think there's more that you wanted to show or didn't get to show or just what, what did we miss out on? <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, there's so much more that I want to mm. show the audience. And, and I've been lucky to do that a little bit in my... Uh, so after Drag Race, I wrote a solo comedy show called Anita Wiggle, The Life of a Funny Girl, which is my mm. life story told in stories and stuff. Um, and I sort of like go into a little bit of detail with um, my life. But I, I do so many other things, like stand-up comedy. I, mm. I play the trumpet uh, in drag. And, um, I, do I didn't sort know of about the my, trumpet. Oh. Yeah. I blow things during the day and during the night. And uh, there's so many sort of things. And also, I, I feel like I wasn't able to give a good representation of my drag shows through my lip sync against Karen. Because that's sort of the song by Danny Minogue, I Begin to Wonder, which is a great song, but it's very not what I, I do sort of comedy, old classic, like Shirley Bassey or disco with sort of things. It was really hard to, to make that into a good show. So 
yeah, there's so uh, much more of me to, to, to show the world. And I hope I get to do that one day through Drag Race or through other ways. Hmm. Who inspired your drag? Is there other drag queens out there or is there any um, famous singers, dancers, actors, actresses that influenced your drag um, when you started out? Absolutely. So my, my biggest drag influence would be uh, Bianca Del Rio, the comedy queen herself. But yeah. not just because she's so amazing. Like, she's so polished and professional. Her makeup's amazing. Oh, she's so talented and funny. But also she's got this edge on her, which is she's so professional and so hardworking. And that inspires me so much in terms of, like, at the moment, she's mm. just off the back of a sellout uh, solo yeah. comedy tour. She's uh, in Jamie the Musical. And then she goes mm. back to doing a tour. She's just amazing. Yeah. Just, and also, in, in terms of sort of out of drag, the singers Barbara Streisand and Cynthia Erivo mm. are both just so talented, so hardworking, and just uh, just amazing people. Whenever you feel a bit tired, you think, would like Barbara, Cynthia, or Bianca, would they be, what would they be doing? They'll, they'll be working, they'll be getting out there, they'll be promoting themselves. Like, yeah, well, that's what I need to do. So that's how they inspire me. Mm. Um. Before we uh, um, wrap up this interview, I wanted to share a wee tidbit about how I discovered you. And it was just before, you and Anita, it was just before House of Drag Season 1 came out. And there was something, I was I was watching Drag Race and wondering, where is the drag scene in New Zealand? And growing up in Dunedin, there isn't really a drag scene. And if there is, I have no idea about it or where it is. And I was really interested in Drag Race and... Um, I was watching season nine with Sasha Valor and falling in love with the show. And it was just before you guys started. And I saw you guys on Anika Moore's show and you guys got interviewed by her when you were doing the press for House of Drag before it came out. And I went, oh, I'll give that a watch. And then I kind of just fell in love with you and Anita from their foot. And it was watching Hugo Girl on the first season and it was just... And it was almost quite awesomely full circle that Anita and oh, not 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 you um, that Keita and Hugo ended up being the performers at my first drag show, and yes. along with um, what, what's her name? That's just slipped my mind. She was on House of Drag, first eliminated. I feel really bad. Oh, Tabitha or um, no, not or, oh gosh, Siobhan, yes, Siobhan Abarellas, yeah, yeah, and like it was like quite. Beautiful, because I just was like, I saw you guys as TV stars out there, and then you're right here, and it was just like, I still haven't met you in person, though, but I can tick that off. I've ticked it off now, ish. But yeah, ish. Zoom's a bit of an asterisk when you've met someone. (laughs) Very true, very true. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been really lovely to see you. But when you were talking about your Funny Girl tour... um, Yes. Where is it traveling to? And I was very disappointed that Dunedin wasn't on the cards. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm actually bringing it to, so I've done Auckland and Wellington so far. And mm. I've meant to in Christchurch uh, twice, but the lockdown. So um, Christchurch, I'm doing eight performances, which is almost sold out actually at that Little Andromeda Theatre in mm. uh, February. Tickets on littleandromeda.co.nz. And then uh, in the latter half of next year, I'll be doing, taking it all around Australia and around New Zealand too. So um, yeah. it'll be 
hopefully to Dunedin. I'll be doing the larger venues, hopefully. And um, yeah, I'd love to see you then. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So thank you for joining me, Anita. Um, you, you guys listening at home, I'm going to send you guys on a quick song break and I'll be right back after this song break. So yeah. What am I doing? There we go. Your poison ran deep, your poison ran quiet. Your poison ran strong, your poison ran wild. You chip chipped away, leaving no scars behind. You wore me down. Yeah, see it. 
We could tell our younger self. What would you say to yours? On Dear Younger Me, we'll be having conversations with people from a array of communities and contexts about what they wish they could say to their younger self. Tune into Dear Younger Me on Youth Zone every second Tuesday at 4 pm on ORFM Dunedin, 105.4 FM, and 1575 AM. You can find podcasts of this show from oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app yznz.app It's own programming on Otago Access Radio is made possible from the generous support from New Zealand on Air, Otago Community Trust, Otago Community Broadcaster Society and Dunedin Central Rotary.
And welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo and Faye. So this week it's just Leo, not not Leo and Faye today. But um, if you just joined us now, you just missed my interview with iconic Kiwi drag queen Anita Wiglet. Um, and if you missed that, go and download the Youthstone app. But first, I'm going to be talking about how it's the last show of the year, plans for the holidays... And I'll also do, I nearly forgot to do this. I was going to do this at the end, that song break, but I forgot to. But I'm going to highlight the activist song for the week. And I thought I might fit it into the topic of today. I've been chatting with Anita. Um, yes, I know I've already done a Janelle Monet song, but I'm going to do it again because it fits in. And um, it's called Queen by Janelle Monet and Erica Badu. And I don't know. It just feels the vibe and it it has a powerful message to it. And should listen to the lyrics and it just fitted the theme because we had a drag queen on the show. Let's play the queen. 
well, not not the band Queen. The song was called Queen. Um, <laughs> so here we go.
what you preach. Kia ora and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leon Fay. So this week I had a chat with Anita Wiglet and that went great. And if you missed it, go download the Zone app. But I'm going to spend a bit of time now just letting you know this is the last live show of the year and it's been quite a crazy year. We've still got an episode to air. Um, which will come out uh, 29th, I think. So it won't be the last show of me you'll hear for the year, but it's the last show I'm in the studio. And honestly, I just wanted to take a time to like acknowledge this year has changed Operation Arakatahi as a whole quite considerably. Um, it started off with me and Esther, and Esther moved on. Me and Esther are still great friends. It was just Esther found her own path and um, moved on. And that is completely okay. And it was just me for most of the year. And now we've ended it with me and Faye. This week's a bit of an exception. Faye's not feeling well. But long term, it'll be me and Faye. But it's like being quite a... It's taken so many different forms this year. And it's been a very turbulent year in the world as a whole and which has given me lots to talk about on the show it's not a good thing that there's lots of stuff going on in the world but it's given me so many stuff to acknowledge and talk about especially when we live in this whitewashed media world where we don't hear anything that we need to hear and yes i will continue to go on about the patriarchal and whitewashing of the patriarchal serving and whitewashing aspects of the media because we don't hear about it and I don't have enough time to go through all of it, so I'm only going to, even me presenting to you guys is pinpointing bits that I'm going to talk about, because I don't have much time to talk about it, but I will acknowledge that I can't talk about everything here on the radio that's going on in the world, and just letting you know that there is a whole lot of stuff out there, and it's given me so much, whether it's me and Esther, me on my own, and now me and Faye, it's given us so much stuff to talk about on the show, which is really given perspective. And I think the change, there's been so many changes in the show that has really changed how I, whether it's me individual or me with somebody else, has changed throughout this year. And it's been very, um, yeah, it's been quite explorative and it's very it's given me some skills and it's given me more knowledge and it's been very interesting and I'm yeah so 2021 is closing and we'll I'll hope you will keep safe going into the new year um and I'm just going to give you guys a wee sneak peek of what's to come in these next couple of shows so Last week, directly before the show where we, I brought on Faye as a co-host, we pre-recorded um, an episode on talking about postmodern families. And yes, we talked about this. I talked about this with Esther way back in... It was one of our early shows, actually. It would have been 2019. Um, but also... My perspective on it had changed. Well, not completely. I'd just grown up a bit. and My thoughts on it were different same thing but different 
and I had more to give. And also, I didn't. We didn't have phase perspective, and it's something that affects everyone. And it had been quite a long time since we did it, and I thought actually revisiting that. So, episode seventy-eight, Postmodern Families Part Two, will be coming out on the 29th. It will also be available as a podcast, but it will be live at four p.m. normal time slot, and you'll be able to hear that. So, um, yeah, and you'll get to hear a bit more about Faye's story. We'll re- you'll revisit mine and if you've just if you're a new viewer you'll hear a bit more about my story and you'll hear about that and get to know me a bit more because it's a really personal show that me and Faye put a lot of effort into and it's very personal to us and I'm quite proud of it and Faye is too and it's something that we all should know about because lots of it affects a lot of people and just us sharing our story on this platform we'll share it and that's just a wee sneak peek on episode 78. Episode 79 will be the first show of 2022, which I recorded on my own today, just over an hour ago, in here talking about um, sexual health awareness and dismantling lots of um, disinformation around that and telling you guys, letting you, educating you and letting you know where you can go for and access services that will help you within um, sexual health. So that's episode 79. That will come out on the 12th, I think, the 12th of January, 2022. Do not count me on that date, but it's at 4 p.m. Same same time slot every second Wednesday. But, you know, just pre-recorded, and we'll be back with you end end of January. So it'll be like the 28th, I think. I'm not quite sure, but the 28th of January, I think, is when me and Faye will be back co-presenting. And we'll kick off 2022 with a bang. So thank you all for listening throughout the year. It's been quite a turbulent year, and it's chip-chopped and whatever the chip-chopped cut chop whatever whatever the saying is can't quite remember i think it's some sort of mary poppins same spit spot it's been a bit of a spit spot yeah that's what i was looking for gosh um you can tell it's the end of the day um and the end of the year too um but the, it's been a very changed up year and thank you guys for listening like it's evolved into something and it's changed quite a lot and thank you all for listening for years before, before too and we're going to kick off we're prepared for these holidays and we're going to kick off with a bang in 2022. So stay tuned, listen out. And if you do miss an episode, remember to go catch the podcast on the Usone app available on Google play or the Apple app store. As I include in every single show, contact 1737 for support from a trained counselor. Always include this. So you guys know where to go. Also, visit our Instagram page at operation.rakatai. Give us a follow. There'll be updates on there as the show goes along. Good to know. And if you want to come on the guest, or you have, come on the show as a guest, it'll be on Zoom at the moment because we can't... Our interview with Anita was over Zoom. Anita was in Auckland, so we managed to get a Zoom done, a Zoom interview done. But if you want to come on the show as a guest via Zoom or you have anything you want us to talk about that's going on for you or you've noticed that it should be highlighted on a platform like this, flick me an email at operation dot 
rangatahi at gmail.com. It's still got rangatahi from the old name of the show, but you can't change an email address and I'm not making a new one. So we're going to be stuck with operation.orangatahi, but it's the same word. It's just different dialect. So no harm done. But I know that it's not the right name, but that's, yeah. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you. You'll hear me in two weeks time, but I will see you in well over a month, well into 2022 along with Faye. So kakiti anō. Bye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.